Good evening and welcome to Psychedelic Healing. I am your host, Sonia Cotto, nurse anesthesiologist and mental health advocate, here to you to discuss psychedelic healing. Tonight, my guest, Dr. Mauricio Consalter, is a Chicago-based internal medicine doctor and founder of Medici Healthcare, a compassionate medical practice established in 1999. Since 2015, he has been at the forefront of the medical cannabis movement in Illinois, certifying patients for the program and advocating for the cannabis for cannabis as a safe and effective alternative and complementary medicine. Witnessing reductions in opioid and benzodiazepine use among patients on a regular cannabis protocol, he has dedicated his career to expanding access to this potentially life-saving medicine. His expertise lies in identifying specific cannabis strains tailored to effectively treat various conditions. And currently, he collaborates with the Brazilian Congress, contributing to the creation of a medical cannabis program down in Brazil. In 2020, he expanded this therapeutic, his therapeutic modalities with Neuromedici, a wellness center to include ketamine-assisted therapy, along with cannabis-based internal medicine, a groundbreaking approach to mental health and chronic pain. Dr. Consalter continues to push boundaries in healthcare, striving to improve lives through innovative and holistic approaches. Welcome, Dr. Consalter. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Yeah. Oh, yes. I, I see you've had, uh, you dove right in when they started legalizing in Illinois with the cannabis and expanding that mm-hmm. care. Have you always been knowing the, or have you always known the medical uh, benefits of cannabis? Or was that just kind of discovered uh, later on? Well, I was, uh, first I was watching the wave that, that was coming out of the West. It was kind of skeptical in the beginning, but they had I had a directorship, you know, in a in a hospice care here in uh, in Illinois in Cook County, Vitas Hospice, which I worked for about probably three years as a consultant, and used to see patients, you know, back in 2010, 2012, and then uh, we are noticing more and more patients were using cannabis for terminal. Conditions were having, you know, better energy, better appetite, less anxiety, and actually they were living longer than the guys were not using it, you know. So when the program came in 2015, I started with cancer patients, and that was the first thing I did, you know, until one day a doctor with cancer, stage four lung cancer, came to me and told me his story with the Rick Simpson oil oh, that yes. actually was shrinking his tumors. Okay. He had metastatic disease to his pericardium. Okay. So which means the doctor will give you like three months for you, which means like three days or three weeks, you're done. Right. I mean, because your heart will stop at one point and there will be, you know, pericardial fusion, cancerous and boom. You know, and the heart cannot expand anymore. And I said, the first thing came to my mind, I said, well, this is kind of crazy. And then we went through his CT scans, three months, six months, a year. And he was alive for four years, you know. And this was and with was Dr. Simpson's oil. With our soul. Highly goes oh. our soul, on and off, you know. He did like, he did like three weeks, uh, I mean, three months. Go slower and then come back on it. And, you know, the doctors initially, they refused to do the chemo radiation. And then when they saw it and they said, well, 
everybody was was impressed, you know. Yeah. So, and, and then of course, and then it came rheumatoid arthritis, came all sorts of autoimmune disorders, including lupus, multiple sclerosis, Crohn's, ulcerative colitis, and that's what I I see the biggest benefits right now. It's the autoimmune disorders, you know, fibromyalgia, including you know, and obviously chronic pain. You know. Because all of these are all chronic inflammatories, you know, diseases. Yeah, and, but... and then exactly. And then, you know, I tell people, say, how can I understand the whole process? What can I do? How a drug that controls pain, controls seizures, and give more appetite for cancer? And then the answer is very simple. you got to read. you got to read what is the endocannabinoid system and how does it work your receptors, and then when your endocannabinoid system starts going down, that's when your arthritis kicks in, your IBS, your migraines, and, you know, that's when you need the phytocannabinoids, and that's from the plant, you know. Obviously, I'm very curious to know what's going to happen with our patient population for Alzheimer's disease, you know. I think we have a, a good feeling about it, you know. As you know, Alzheimer's is a disruption of the architecture of the brain, basically. Yeah. We said the positive, uh, you know, chronic proteinaceous materials that you should not, you should not be in your bloodstream is get deposited there. But more than that, not only that, you know, you have the beta amyloid deposition, you do have chronic inflammation of your glial cells, which is the fat cell that covers the brain and feeds the neurons. So you do have CB1 receptors there, you know, and then if you keep this chronic inflammation of the brain down, you might have something very extraordinary in the future, you know, to discuss. You know, I can tell you what, for that, I mean, if you ever had any patients with uh, post-concussion syndrome, you know, chronic traumatopathy, yeah, you, you, you part the disease, you totally part the disease and you see improvement, you know. Yeah. And then for our listeners, I just want to backtrack a little bit because I know some of them might not be familiar with the endocannabinoids. Everybody's familiar with cannabis and everyone's excited with the legalization, but there is healing aspects to it. You know, we do have an endocannabinoid system that people don't understand that we make our own cannabinoids. And now we have cannabis and it's shown and scientifically shown that these, this cannabis and the CBD and the THC all have activity to stop and stop the path of whatever activity, overactivity, like the seizures, the chronic pain, the inflammatory, the autoimmune, you know, all these disease processes. So, you know, when we're talking right now about the endocannabinoid system of being able to stop this inflammatory pathway, you know, you're treating arthritis and the fibromyalgia and all these autoimmune that people are taking these chronic steroids for. We just need to stop the path of the inflammation, not destroy the immune system, you know? Exactly. Your immune system does have receptors too, okay? Uh-huh. You do have CB1, CB2 receptors, your immune systems in your T cell and your B cell, you know, and then you see that on patients with, with chronic leukemia, the numbers partners start going down, but more than that, you avoid what happened in you know, like what happened, people described that very well during COVID, which was the cytokine storm, which is your oh, yes. going out of control, correct? Mm-hmm. And attack your lungs, your kidneys, your liver. Marijuana chill loud your immune response, period, you know? 
And it's not only uh, anti-inflammatory, it's also antioxidant, which no medication, no prednisone, no Motrin, no Tylenol can do that, you know? Yeah. And if you notice, I mean, there were studies saying, you know, that actually in animal model, cannabis had a good effect on on the lungs for, for rats with COVID, you know? But I saw patients of mine calling me. It's like, you know, doctor, you know, I got COVID and uh, what should I do? And they said, what do you feel? They said, I have a slight fever and uh, <laughs> my lungs are fine. And I would tell them, I said, listen, get your CBD, do some THC together, chill out, relax, call me later if you need me. Get your vitamin D, your vitamin C as well. You're a zinc, you know, but it was like, it was very, very rewarding to see the the population. Obviously, during the pandemic, there was a storm of cytokines, but there was a brainstorm on everybody in terms of anxiety, insomnia, PTSD. I mean, people went out of control, you know. Yeah, and, it was horrible, um, a little beyond what cannabis can work on. And that's actually... The same year that you opened uh, your ketamine clinic is the same year I opened mine during COVID in 2020. How right. was that for you? And was, uh, I mean, financially it was very hard because, you know, people didn't have the education and we couldn't do anything about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, we, we didn't have the patients and we didn't have to help a lot of patients, actually, to be very honest, because it's an expensive treatment and there were people coming to you in a desperate situations, you just, you know, I, I did what I do, you know. But what I, I felt about ketamine, ketamine was it's some radical treatment for mental health. It's unbelievable results. And it, the speed of the results are very encouraging, you know. And that's why, I'm, you know, the whole thing about ketamine, you need two things. You need dissociation. Okay, people have to feel themselves outside their bodies. They have to be prepared for that because psychedelic therapy can be very spiritual and not a lot of people are, are ready to realize. I mean, a lot of people thought they were dying, actually, you know. So you need to prepare and then you de develop what we call neuroplasticity and develop new pathways in your brain cells, in your... Mm -hmm. Yeah, within the first 48 hours, so important. But during that period, the people need to have a therapist, reintegration, and so on. You know what I mean? Yeah. Beautiful. I love that. That was going to be my next question. So about what do you do for integration? Because that's what I've been noticing with a lot of clinics. Ketamine clinics are popping up all over, which to me, the more the merrier because everyone needs this treat. There's so many people that need this treatment. However, now you are seeing the disparities within the from clinic to clinic because yeah, exactly. the important is integration. We need so to treat and system then everybody will be have benefits, and I, and I think it's coming. But it's you know, it's very interesting that integration is very different from patient to patient. Some most of the people they like to go back to the therapist, but there's people who like to play a piano. The other ones to speak another language, and other people just want to do yoga or massage therapy. Mm -hmm. It works, you know. It's a different set. You know, it's yeah. a much more complex environment, uh, the psychedelic, than the cannabis, you know, because there's a way more receptors involved. But one thing I, I need to tell you that is very interesting that you, you're going to see in research, that the CB1, CB2 receptors, they stimulate the serotoninergic expression. So when you're using cannabis, your serotonin, the 5-HT3 receptors, 
they're get they're enhanced. Okay, so you're gonna say you're gonna tell people. Some people might just come to you and say, "Doctor, I used my, I did 250 milligrams of uh, a mushroom, a microdose, and I used cannabis, and then when they went on a big trip or they they felt really good." It's, they work in conjunction. It's pretty interesting, you know. Enhance the each other. Yeah. Okay. And then you know, honestly, even ketamine that we don't understand fully how does it work, you know, in terms oh, yeah. of all well, the activities and where it works and everything. It's I was, just, there's a, well, there's probably receptors that we haven't identified yet, you know. And the same is for DMT. You know, I mean, we produce our own DMT. You know, when you to talk to to a monk or a marathon runner, or even a racing car driver. And they will tell you that after two or three hours, they feel their body getting out of the car, or get, you know, or the monks, they say, because they go in periods, they, they only sleep two or three hours a night. They eat very little, so they starve, they eat some maniacs. And at one point, they start leaving their bodies. They just go pray somewhere else. That's so DMT, you know. It's thing for septic people, people with heart attacks. Intensive care unit, you 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 hear that, you know. I had a near death experience. I met my mom. I met my grandma. These and that. That's all DMT, you know, which is beautiful, you know. Wow, that's so interesting. You know, somebody did tell me that that near death. That's what they're describing. Is do they check the levels? Is that has that been studied and shown? No, I don't think. Listen, I, it's DMT studies right now. It's so rudimentary so it's, it's like it's in the stone age right now but yeah. that's gonna be the game changer for mental health in the world it, you understand we are living a mental health crisis right now we don't have enough psychiatrists we don't have enough therapists we don't have enough nurse practitioners or pas doing mental health you know i just read an article in new york times yesterday they're using in west africa okay in ghana guinea they're using hairdressers as mental health professionals. I think they don't have access. So they're training the hairdressers to do it. And then that was reading an article. And the Americans have the same too, you know? Oh, with the providers? It's it's so difficult no, to no, find. Hairdresser, you go to a hair salon, the hair, you, your lady taking care of you will be your mental health provider. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, they, they have had lots of conversations. I think they might they might be good listeners. Oh, yeah, exactly. Just the right tutorials, they'll get there. But even here in the United States, I mean, you as an internal medicine, you know, physician, you provide mental health care. Yeah, there's, you know, as you go through life, you know, we are one package, you know. And then uh, you're barely going to see a patient who has chronic pain, moderate to severe, who's not going to develop depression. There's no way around depression, anxiety, bipolar. PTSD, they come with chronic illness. You know, it's it's there. You know? Yeah. So you, you won't see a mental health patients with physical symptoms either. You know, a chronic, they come hand in hand. So, yes. Well, when we went to medical school, we don't learn that, correct? No. No, we're all learning it now. We learn, learn things by systems. Yeah, and then we learn something called evidence-based medicine. Okay. And then I, 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 my argument is the following. Who paid for the evidence? And where the money right. came from? Is either two sources, NIH, which is federal government, or big pharma. So that's yeah. all we learn, you know? Yeah. So what yeah, it's all biased. Uh, 
psychedelics, cannabis with patients. And then a lot of professionals don't like, they think we're nuts, like out of hand. You know what I mean? But I, I would tell you what, I don't have one new patient on, uh, on Norco or Oxy in the last seven years in my life. I have four, five actually. And that's it. I know. I know. Wow. And we decrease a lot of the use of those opioids, you know. So I'm pretty proud right now of what we did. Oh, you should be, yeah. Results, you know, for the patients and uh and how how do you help how do you help patients uh wean off? Because I know with like the benzos, uh, you know, how are you best is it a specific type of cannabis that you utilize with addiction um versus I'm, I'm using a lot uh, currently Indica's with CBN. I'm using a lot of CBN, okay? Uh, some addictions, they have, like, you know, you have to go straight to ketamine, you know, before you introduce the marijuana, you know? Okay. And that's for cocaine and uh, heavy alcohol, all that stuff, you know? But usually, you know, the, the patients, uh, they, they come to you and they will tell you, you know, I'm decreasing amount. You know, I think the success rate I'm having right now for uh, chronic pain Users about thirty to forty percent, which is excellent. Okay, that is amazing. But seventy percent of those will tell you, I'm not taking four oxy a day. I'm taking two. You know, I'm taking one. Or I'm taking over the every other day. You know, and if they stick to the plan, they'll be fine. You know. So, what we cannot do is just throw the patient out there in the street and let him do whatever he wants and whatever he can get his hands on. And that's why the guys were dying fentanyl overdose, you know, because they go to the street, they go look for drugs, you know, and the drugs out there are, are laced, you know. I mean, I had a kid overdose with laced uh, marijuana in Peoria, you know, and he overdosed. And I cannot, I don't even understand why it's being laced. Like, I know, I, it's unbelievable, you know. It makes no sense to me. Not well, even it's the same. Exactly, because if you, even if you're thinking of the drug dealer perspective, I mean, he's losing his client. <laughs> that's the right. funnel. You know? Yeah, well, and that's why I'm so glad that the cannabis industry has advanced into the medical realm, and then the doctors like you are really understanding the specific strains to utilize. You know, one versus you know with anxiety, depression versus migraines, fibromyalgia, the autoimmune addiction. Mm-hmm. You know, just coming off of certain benzos and opiates, I mean, being able to utilize cannabis allows the tapering. Have you noticed tapering off of those assisting patients to taper off those medications is a little bit? Several with SSRIs, SNRIs, several. Certainly, Lexapro, you oh, know. tapering off of those helps as well? Yeah. Wow, wow. Huge. And then benzodiazepines. Benzos is the, one of the worst addictions that I've seen in my life, you know, from patients. And I've seen that improving. I've seen you know, people decreasing the amount of neurostimulants as well, the Adderall, Ritalins of the world. And in polypharmacy, if you see what happens to your hemoglobin A1C, okay, on your diabetes before and after use of cannabis through a period of time, you'll be surprised. And the same is for blood pressure. Well, I actually have a perfect example. Like I had a, a patient um, with uh, utilizing Adderall for their ADD, but they at a certain point started having rheumatoid, all these autoimmune disorders, and it was just something was happening. They 
came off the Adderall, but it was difficult to come off the Adderall, but being able to utilize cannabis and then being able to come clean it, all the autoimmune disappeared. It just went away just with that Adderall, this medicine. This what your, your, your mental health does to you. We don't understand it fully, but obviously stress, anxiety cause an imbalance of uh, your immune system. You know, it would take time for us to understand that better. And I don't think, um, I do believe actually it's going to be through the understanding of how quantum mechanics and quantum entanglement works in our physical system. And it will take a while for us to understand fully that. But really, bad energy can give you bad things for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I think all in all, even with cannabis, because you do have the psychedelic effects with cannabis, you can go into a meditation, like you were saying with microdosing, which uh, still isn't legal here, but I know my listeners out there are probably, you know, exploring and working with, you know, obtaining their own uh, microdoses. So it's important to, you know, learn and educate yourself with like microdosing, especially combining with the cannabis. Do you educate your patients on specific like dosing to be careful for? Because when you're adding all these multiple, you know, meds. For what? Um, for the, for people. Because you had mentioned do, doing cannabis along with. Uh, mushrooms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had mentioned a patient doing both and then having. Yeah, that. but we talk, you know, for people, I'm open to ask her questions. I'm reading more. Okay. What I, first of all, you've got to be careful what you do and where you're getting yourself. So careful. So but careful. You can get poisoned like easy and you, you don't know your risk factors, you know. The other thing is people who have schizoaffective disorders, you know, who are taking drugs like Cymbalta, you know, schizophrenia, it's very dangerous because nothing's going to happen and people will try to do more and, you know, it can end up being a mess. But my recommendation is the following. Go slow and start slow. And you don't need every day. Mm-hmm. Understand? In a few days a week or maybe once a week. You know, I, it's a very deep experience, you know. It has a lot of GI set effects related to that issue. Which, uh, what is it you're saying? Psilocybin? You get a... Psilocybin works through your, your muscarine reset receptors in your GI tract, and those receptors are cholinergic receptors, so you can have a big cholinergic response, and that's where it comes the nausea, the vomiting, diarrhea, constipation, the whole shaman, you know. People have to be aware. They will go through it, and if they have a clean diet, probably can help, you know, prior to it. Yeah, that's what we've discussed on previous episodes on just preparing your body, nutrition is very important, but also... For those, everybody out there, cholinergic system is would be your parasympathetic, the rest and digest. And when you stimulate the cholinergic is you're stimulating the digestive tract of the digestion part of the rest and digest parasympathetic. You know, so that's something that you would get an effect with the psilocybin. With the cannabis, you obviously wouldn't necessarily get that. Do you find that, like you said, the clean diet, that that definitely helps yeah, too, because, the GI. Yeah, if they already prepared the GI side Correct. They, they they might have a better choice, but some people do it. Some people don't. You know, so yeah, some people get used to it. But you know, but it's something that people should be aware. Of, you know. Yes. Yeah. So they can prepare. And I mean, the key and the most important part, and as we're talking here, is 
is the integration and preparation. Whatever you're going to do, you want to, like you said, start low dose, start slow and work your, you know, work through that. And then just always have support, have somebody there that is not on any medicine, you know, whether it's cannabis, because you can have a psychedelic effect, go into a meditative state and have very therapeutic meditation and healing in that realm. But even with with ketamine, you know, there are clinics not like ours that will you'll come in and just receive the infusion. And it could be a beautiful clinic, very safe and amazing people. But if you don't have that support, that integration support, that is the most important outside of the medicine because you have to process what comes out. Things will come out in psychedelics, ketamine, yes, psilocybin, DMT, all, you know, ayahuasca, every psychedelic, there will be aspects of your subconscious mind that becomes exposed, right? And do you, with your patients, do you find, do you require them to have integration? Do you provide integration in office? Or is that something that they work with their therapists? You know, uh, what, what I'd like to, you know, what my goal is to integrate them with their own therapist, okay? Mm-hmm. Some patients bring their therapist to the clinic, but I, I don't think that the biggest value and the infusion it actually dissociation. Okay. You exactly. good music. Yes. Okay, like a good psychedelic music, a good trance and a good trip. People have to realize doctors in the twenty first centuries they have to realize that a trip is therapeutic at a times. Okay. So after you have that, you create your neuroplasticity, yeah, boom, jump, go to your, your therapist. But you know, therapist making questions and guiding it through you know, the trip, it takes the purpose of the whole thing, you know? Right. Yeah. During the, during the actual infusion, I, I tell them not to, you know, like you can have yeah. a therapist there, but that would be for afterwards, maybe, but not even then afterwards, you're kind of still out of it. Um, yeah. Really, I mean, ideally, it's the 20 hours inside the office, yeah. just tripping and you have, you have to let them do it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's no conversations being had at that point. And that's what we want. You know, there's some there's some clinics that even will sedate the patient so they don't experience the ketamine uh, dissociation. And I think that's a total disservice. Which yeah, is, the, the, what to. I saw, yeah, some people give it to me, Dazzler, they said, why? You know what I mean? Right, that it competes with the yeah. ketamine. So you're also blocking some of the benefits that you have because there is ben- activity on the GABA receptors, which is where the benzodiazepines work. So, of course. you know. We don't know all the things when you're adding medications that blocks it. Like I actually know, like for any of you listeners out there, if you're ever considering ketamine treatment, any type of stimulate, if you're on ADHD medications, even coffee, I've had patients that they're doing beautifully. They accidentally either take their Adderall that day for a maintenance infusion or have a a ton of coffee. The stimulation actually blocks their experience, their dissociation. And then they wonder, oh, the medicine's not working. Something's wrong. So you really want less on your system during. Uh, less is better, for sure. Yes, definitely. I saw, I saw in Europe, uh, in Portugal, I saw, I, I met an anesthesiologist that, that she was doing ketofol. Okay. Ketamine oh, propofol. Oh. And he was, he was in classing, actually, you know. So, and she, I can say for the pain patients, for pain, or is it also for mental health? He said that most she was doing for, she did for mental health, but also plus off patients in pain, like trauma, neurosurgery, things on the nature, spinal, you know, and they used to do it. She's coming for publication right now. It's pretty interesting. You ever heard about it or 
because I do anesthesia as my primary profession, I definitely use Ketafol as my sedation for longer sedation cases. But for, you know, for mental health, I mean, I do give actually during anesthesia, I will give if they, if my patients have depression or anxiety or any type of mental health, PTSD, I'm like, you're going to get extra ketamine today, (laughs) you know, versus my normal, like 100% of my patients will receive ketamine because it is such an amazing anesthetic and adjunct. You don't need as much opioids. I did up and that to me. They get on me on ketamine. Are you serious? Oh my gosh. Oh, beautiful dreams. I'm sure you had. You weren't even in that room. The craziest dreams. I said, I saw the entire operating room inside the dark side of the moon of Pink Floyd Prisma. Just go away. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. Was- that is amazing. That is so yeah. interesting. Hmm. Yeah. That, that's, and I use it for in obstructors too, you know, for C sections and stuff with the ketamine. Yeah. It's amazing and it's so safe, you know. Yeah, I did a lot of uh, yard too, you know, emergency room. Okay. And then we used a lot. We used a lot in oh, yeah. trauma, you know. And it's safe. I mean, you have a guy, if, uh, you know, a drunk guy with a head trauma that you need to place in a CT scan. He's not going to stand still, you know. You call this guy and aid him, boom. We used to do it, you know, and then he was smooth, you know. Yeah, pediatrics and the academy more and more. I said, Jesus, this thing is great, you know. Yeah. No, what I would love to see is patients coming in in mental health crisis that are going to Baker Act themselves, you know, for suicidal ideation or, you know, the depression. I would love to see them receive an infusion, you know, in the ER, they could receive it. You know, imagine. But they're not trained yet, you know, they need more training. And that's what we're doing in South America, in Peru right now. We had an organization there. We had it's a nonprofit, you know, Neuromedici of Peru is a nonprofit where we are basically educating doctors across the border. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just came back. I was able to have a psychiatrist open ketamine clinic in, uh, in Arequipa, Arequipa, no, in Cajamarca, north of Peru. And he's a pretty amazing guy. You know, he's doing works with EMT, actually, and he has a publication. He's telling me a publication right now, and I need to introduce him to you because uh, he's... Oh, I would love he's that. Dying, he's doing DMT office space, DMT in the jungle, and he's comparing the results of the patients, and he's going to prove to us that is the jungle. When you do ayahuasca DMT, you have to be close to nature, tree, land, universe, you know? And then he's like, you didn't pack on clinical response. He told me, like, listen, we're using a way less therapy for those guys who are in the jungle that was in the clinic. You know, because you walk, you wake up in the clinic, you're in the street, you they have cars, they have traffic. You're back to your mode, yeah. your mojo that triggers your PTSD, yeah. you know? Well, I 100% agree with that. Like, I understand that, yes, in nature, you're going to have a uh, always a better response, just being grounded and being one with the earth because we, we aren't in that space here in the United States and most of the modern world. But not every patient's gonna go to the mountains of Peru oh, no. yeah. or DMT in a forest. Some people want that safety, the the cocoon of a clinic that somebody's monitoring them. You know, people and that's why I feel and I know I've said this multiple times, sorry out there if you're listening, but it's so important. There are so many people out there to help everyone. You know, and people aren't going to go into the jungle, but it's something that once it's legalized, that I will want to offer because, you know, they have to receive it somewhere. You know, if they aren't going to go into the jungles, where where are they going to feel safe? And that's the 
you know, the care that I can provide and that you can provide in a clinic. You know, obviously we can't move our clinic into a forest, <laughs> right? You know, patients want to be monitored. They want to know that they're safe so that they can really go deep, you know, and just yeah. really be in their, in their space, you know? So there's always people to help in every, every area of the field. So we're the clinical field and then we have people out in the forest and the nature and the grounding, you know, that's where our ancestors you know, everybody's doing the research now in the scientifics, but we already have ancestors that have been studying this medicine and mastering the medicine. Oh, ah, the medicine. Listen, if we go through the Bible, you and me are going to tell a lot of trips over there is probably something. Oh, yeah. That That's in every religion. In every religion, yes. Yeah. I mean, the Amazon forest, so far, they have about 80 trees. They're already cataloged with a DMT. So you think what is in the rest, you know? It's, it's beautiful. The potential is endless. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Thank you so much, uh, Dr. Gonsalter. Thank you so much for, for joining me. me. It was very nice, very smooth. And uh, and it's always better when you talk uh, with passion, freely. You know what I mean? We are just starting. We are just starting the tip of iceberg of psychedelic medicine. So, yes. and I'm here to support, you know. Oh, and we're the facilitators of being able to do it. We're we're joining the Eastern and Western medicine, and then yeah. our ancestors, the indigenous tribes, and all the the hard work that they've done in passing down. You know, if it wasn't for them carrying on this culture, who knows where we would have ended up? Yeah, so, well, so. you know, I always uh, finish with uh, whenever I teach people a lecture, or I'm part of a lecture, like you and me are part of something right now. We learned in medical school, we were like bipedists, okay? Mind and your physical health, okay? With psychedelic medicine, you understand you are part of a three thing here. It's your mind, your physical health, and your spirit. If you don't treat those three all together, then... Yes. Forget it. No, 100%. And that's where yeah. in our world now where we're stuck and where there, we have this mental health crisis because we've lost that spirit. And I'm not religious in any we way, so I know people. A long time ago. Yeah. But it's not about religion. It's about your spirit, your soul, your energy, who you are internally outside of your body, you know, and the physical. So that's what psychedelics really connect. I feel, you know, in the mental health, we need connection. And psychedelics brings that. So it's a beautiful right. thing and you're part of it and I'm part of it and I love it. I love it. Thank you so much Thank for all you your work. So much. Thank you guys for the chance, the opportunity and um, love you. Best of luck. We'll be with you guys soon whenever you guys call me. Okay. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you everyone Thank out you so there much. for joining us for this week's episode of Psychedelic Healing. Have a beautiful night.